If estrogen is the good witch, for a lot of women, progesterone is the bad witch that causes bloating, weight gain, and moodiness. Some types of progestogens may also increase the risk of breast cancer. In this episode, I'm going to go through the good, the bad, and all the options when it comes to protecting your uterus. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. When it comes to menopause, midlife, and what comes after, I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. If women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information. I get a lot of questions about progesterone, but I've been putting off doing an episode about it, mostly because, fair warning, it's not going to be in the top 10 of my most entertaining episodes but it's information you need to know. Kind of like when I meet with my accountant every year to talk about taxes. I know I need to understand what she's telling me and I do my best to look interested, but let's face it, it's boring. And like taxes, it's hard to be clever, funny, or engaging when talking about progestogens. So this episode is going to be a little bit like mini med school, except med students don't learn anything about menopause. Anyway, pour yourself a glass of Chardonnay, or listen while you're getting a pedicure or something else nice to make it more fun. But before you get too comfortable, one in four women in the United States has had a hysterectomy. And if you belong to that club, you're off the hook. You do not need to listen to this episode. But if you own a uterus and take systemic estrogen, you need to take steps to prevent an abnormal buildup in the endometrium, the lining of the uterus. Why? A thick lining is not a healthy lining. Thick linings bleed and thick linings over time are more likely to develop precancers or cancerous changes. Because I get so many questions about progesterone, this episode is going to be one big progesterone Q&A, starting with this one. I've been using a local vaginal estrogen cream for years. Recently, I switched doctors and my new doc told me I should be taking a progesterone pill so I don't get uterine cancer. But my doctor that prescribed the cream said I don't need to. Who's right? Your first doctor was correct. If you're only using a local vaginal estrogen to treat vaginal dryness or urinary symptoms, you do not need to use progesterone. Systemic absorption is minimal. And even if you use your local vaginal estrogen for decades, there's no accumulation and there's no buildup. This is not controversial. Your second doctor, just wrong. Question number two. I'm 57 years old and have been taking hormone therapy since I was 48. I use a femring, and honestly, sometimes I skip my progesterone pill. It makes me really bloated. Is it a problem to skip it once in a while? A little background on progesterone. Before menopause, the ovaries pump out estrogen, which thickens the lining of the uterus in preparation to support a potential pregnancy. Once ovulation, the release of an egg from your ovaries occurs, the ovaries then produce progesterone, which stabilizes the thick lining, again, prepping for the possible event that a fertilized egg lands there. If that doesn't happen, if pregnancy doesn't occur, progesterone levels drop and the lining sheds. That's your period. So menstruating women naturally make progesterone to prevent the lining of the uterus from getting too thick. If a young woman produces estrogen but doesn't ovulate, she's at risk of an abnormal buildup in the lining of the uterus. The most common scenario in which this occurs in young women is polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Women with PCOS tend to get no periods, irregular periods, heavy periods, and if untreated, women with PCOS are also at increased risk for precancer and cancer of the uterine lining. Likewise, 
If a postmenopause woman is taking systemic estrogen, but not taking progesterone, over time, she has a tenfold risk of developing uterine cancer. And that's why postmenopause women who are using a systemic estrogen also need to take progesterone or a progesterone alternative. But here's the good news. When a woman takes progesterone with estrogen therapy, she decreases her risk of uterine cancer below that of a woman who doesn't take hormones at all. The progesterone is protective. But here's the problem. Most women do fine when they take a synthetic or natural progesterone, but a lot of women get really moody or bloated. And in addition, synthetic progesterones and it potentially making you feel awful are also associated with an increased risk of medical problems. Skipping your progesterone pill once in a while isn't going to cause a problem, but you may be better off with a different product that doesn't make you feel bloated. And I'm going to get to that in a bit. Question number three. Sometimes I hear the term progesterone, other times progestin. What's the difference and which is the correct term? Well, you're not the only one that gets confused by the terminology. So before I move forward with the nitty gritty of the specific products, I'm going to explain the terminology. Progesterone refers to the naturally occurring hormone that's normally produced by the ovaries when a woman ovulates. A progestin is a synthetic form of progesterone. Progestins are commonly used in hormonal contraception like birth control pills, implants, and IUDs, but are also sometimes used for menopause hormone therapy. The names of common progestins used in FDA-approved products include drospirinone, levonorgestrel, medroxyprogesterone acetate, and norethandrone acetate. A progestogen is a general term that includes all compounds that bind to progesterone receptors. So progestogens include both naturally occurring progesterone and synthetic progestins. When in doubt, use the term progestogen and you will never be wrong. When talking about the different progestogens, some are standalone products, meaning they can be taken with any estrogen. Other products are one component of a combination of estrogen and progestogen and can't be prescribed alone, kind of like birth control pills that have both estrogen and a progestogen. The progestogen can only be prescribed as part of the pill. So during this episode, I'm going to run through a lot of products. A couple of things. One, I don't work for any of these companies, and I have good things and bad things to say about all of them. Second, it's a lot, and I know it can be overwhelming and confusing, so I cover it in a lot more detail in Hot Flash Hell, Chapter 13. Question number four. I'm 72 years old and have been taking Premarin and Provera for years. My new doctor says I should be using a bioidentical progesterone instead of my Provera. I feel fine with what I'm doing. Do I really need to change at this point? Well, let me start by explaining the difference between these two products. Both are FDA-approved standalone oral progestogens intended for endometrial protection, medroxyprogesterone acetate and micronized progesterone. Medroxyprogesterone acetate is also known as Provera. That's the trade name. I'm just going to call it Provera, even though it comes as a generic because it's easier. Provera is an oral synthetic progesterone so it's a progestin. Provera has been around a long time, since 1959, when it was first FDA approved as a form of contraception. But even though it was approved to use for contraception, its primary use originally was to control heavy bleeding, abnormal bleeding, and irregular periods in menstruating women. And it's still prescribed for that purpose. It wasn't routinely used in combination with postmenopause estrogen therapy to protect the uterine lining until the 1980s. 
Until relatively recently, it was the only available progestogen. It was also the progestin used in the infamous Women's Health Initiative study that showed a slight increase in breast cancer. More on that in a bit. But today it is still the most prescribed of the progestogens used in postmenopause women. Here's the good side. Provera works really well in terms of preventing any abnormal buildup in the lining of the uterus. And in addition to protecting from uterine cancer, Provera also helps decrease hot flashes and are used by some women without estrogen for that purpose. Since Provera is a standalone product, it can be used with any of the transdermal estrogens or oral systemic estrogens. Provera also makes some women sleepy, which is a good thing if you're having trouble sleeping and you remember to take it at night. If you're taking it first thing in the morning, not such a good thing for it to make you sleepy. The number one good thing about Provera, because it's been around so long, it's really inexpensive and available as a generic, medroxyprogesterone acetate, also known as MPA. The bad side. Well, here's the problem. Of all of the available progestogens I'm going to describe, Provera is not only the most prescribed progestogen, it's also the most likely to cause bloating, water retention, fatigue, and moodiness. And some women are going to gain weight secondary to water retention. Now, I want to emphasize that most women do just fine, particularly in the lower doses. But for a lot of women, it's a problem. Here's the bigger issue as far as I'm concerned. Long-term use of Provera is associated with a slight increased risk of breast cancer. And I explain this in great detail in episode 31, The Truth About Estrogen and Breast Cancer. But the headline of that episode is that in the WHI, the large study that showed an increase in breast cancer in women who used hormone therapy, further analysis showed that it was not the estrogen that was the problem. There was actually an 18% decrease in breast cancer in the group that took estrogen alone. It was only the group that took estrogen and progestogen that showed an increase in breast cancer. We now know it wasn't any progestogen that was the culprit. It was the specific progestin that they were taking, medroxyprogesterone acetate, Provera. Multiple studies have since been released looking at women who used micronized progesterone, which I'm going to talk about next, along with their estrogen instead of Provera, and there is no increase in breast cancer. In addition to the breast cancer issue, Provera can diminish the beneficial cardiac effects of estrogen. So knowing what we know now, why is it still the number one progestogen prescribed along with hormone therapy? Well, first of all, it's been around the longest, so doctors are familiar with it, and doctors who are not menopause experts often don't know the data that shows potential problems. The other reason it's commonly prescribed is that it's really inexpensive. I'm not minimizing the really inexpensive part. For a lot of women, this is the only progestogen that's covered by insurance and it's affordable, and it does work perfectly well, but it's important to not just look at efficacy, but also to look at safety. So I would give Provera an A for efficacy an A for costs, and a C plus for safety and tolerability. And then we get to the next FDA-approved progestin, micronized progesterone. The trade name is Prometrium. Micronized progesterone is considered to be bioidentical, meaning that it's chemically identical to the progesterone made by human ovaries. So the good side, like Provera, Micronized progesterone does a great job at preventing abnormal buildup in the lining of the uterus. Like Provera, micronized progesterone is a standalone product, so it can be used with any of the transdermal systemic estrogens or oral estrogens. But here's where micronized progesterone comes out 
better than Provera. No question, the majority of women who don't feel well on Provera do much better on micronized progesterone. There's far less issues with weight gain, bloating, and moodiness. In addition, micronized progesterone is not associated with increase in lipids or risk of cardiovascular disease. And again, micronized progesterone is not associated with an increased risk of breast cancer. And that's why most menopause experts prefer micronized progesterone over Provera. And it is inexpensive and available as a generic. The bad side. It's true. Most women tolerate micronized progesterone much better than Provera, but some women still experience bloating, water retention, fatigue, and moodiness. And it only comes in two doses. In most cases, one of those doses is going to be the right dose, but it would be nice to have more options. I give Prometrium an A for efficacy, an A for safety, and an A minus for tolerability. So in your case, on one hand, if you feel fine on it and you're at low risk for breast cancer and heart disease, there's no real need to rock the boat. But I tend to agree with the doctor who suggested you at least try to switch to a micronized progesterone. Question number five. I use one of the menopause telehealth clinics. The nurse practitioner I've been talking to prescribed an estrogen patch along with an oral progesterone pill. My friend has a patch that has both estrogen and progesterone in it. Another friend takes a pill with both estrogen and progesterone. I'd rather not take two products if I don't have to. Is there a reason I was prescribed estrogen and progesterone separately? Here's the deal. Combination products, again, contain both estrogen and progestogen. Same concept as birth control pills, but hormones used for menopause hormone therapy is in a much lower dose. In other words, though the ingredients may look the same as those of a birth control pill, these menopause hormone therapy products will not provide contraception because the dose is so much lower. Combination hormone therapy is FDA approved in the form of a patch or a pill. Before I run through the different oral and transdermal estrogen progestogen options, if you haven't already, it's worth taking a listen to episode 51, transdermal versus oral estrogen, what's the difference? All right, so first I'm going to run through the oral combination options. There are a lot of them, and the complete list is in Hot Flash Hell. But the most commonly prescribed oral options are Prempro, which is a combination of Premarin and Provera, conjugated equine estrogens and medroxyprogesterone acetate, by Juva, which is a combination of estradiol and micronized progesterone, Ectavella, which is estradiol and norethandrone acetate, and finally, Femheart, which is a combination of ethanyl estradiol and norethadrone acetate. I know, are you bored yet? Stick with me, getting there. The good side, all of these products get an A plus for convenience. You just need to pop a pill. There's no problem as far as preventing abnormal buildup in the lining of the uterus. They're all fine when it comes to that. And since you have a lot of choices, you can try different ones. You might tolerate one better than another. And there is a bioidentical combination. Bijuva contains bioidentical estradiol and bioidentical micronized progesterone in one pill, which is more convenient than taking the two products separately. The bad side, these are all oral estrogens, which means that there will be issues as I discussed in episode 51 and a slight increase in the risk of blood clots is at the top of the list. There's no generic equivalent to most of these products and usually only one or two doses are available. Moving on to the combination transdermal options. There are no FDA approved transdermal progesterone creams, gels, or patches. The progesterone molecule is too large to be absorbed through the skin. 
There are compounded transdermal progesterone products, but they have not been shown to adequately protect the uterine lining and are not recommended, and no yam cream doesn't count as progesterone. Both forms of FDA-approved transdermal progestogens are synthetic progestins, similar to progestins in birth control, because they are absorbed through the skin. So there are two FDA-approved transdermal estrogen and progestin combination patches. Combi patch is estradiol and norethindrone. Climera Pro is estradiol and levonorgestrel. Both of these products are adhesive patches that you apply to the lower abdomen or buttocks that continuously release estrogen and progestin. Combi patch, you change it twice a week. Climera Pro is changed once a week. So the good side of the patches. Well, some women find the placing a patch once or twice a week to be a lot more convenient than taking a daily pill. And they do effectively prevent the abnormal buildup in the lining of the uterus. There are potentially fewer side effects than with oral progestins. Both of these products have all the advantages of a transdermal estrogen, as I discussed in episode 51. The bad side. Some women find placing a patch once or twice a week to be less convenient than taking a daily pill because they need to keep track and remember to change it. These combination patches tend to be on the large side, pretty much the equivalent of taping a frisbee to your lower abdomen. And there's a lot more breakthrough bleeding than with oral combination products. And in about 2 to 6% of users, you're going to get skin irritation redness, or other skin reactions. So a lot of menopause experts prescribe estrogen and progesterone separately, especially if you're using a transdermal estrogen. It's much easier to adjust the dose, and there's generally less problem with breakthrough bleeding. Some telehealth services or insurance plans are a little more limited in what's covered and what they're able to prescribe. Having said that, if you prefer a combination product, talk to your nurse practitioner and let her know you would like to give one of the combination patches a try. Question number six. I've been using a transdermal estrogen gel for about two years. I've tried both Provera and Prometrium and felt terrible on both of them. Bloated, moody, and I gained five pounds. My doctor suggested a combination patch, but it was a disaster. I kept bleeding and I hated that sticky gummy ring on my belly. I tried going off estrogen altogether, but that's just not an option for me. I also have a history of blood clots, so I can't use an oral estrogen. I went to another doctor who suggested that I keep using my transdermal estrogen gel, but get an IUD. That seems crazy. What's your opinion? Now we get to the real question that prompted this segment. You clearly fall into the camp that says, I'm not going to take a progestogen. Tried it, hate it, made me miserable, and I want to know other options. And as a reminder, women who do not have a uterus do not have this issue. They can take as much estrogen as they want for as long as they want without worrying a buildup in the lining of the uterus. While it's not a reason to have a hysterectomy, if someone is removing both of their ovaries, say, for example, to prevent ovarian cancer, I highly, highly recommend that the uterus is removed at the same time unless they're planning a future pregnancy using assisted reproductive techniques. But you have a uterus. So let's talk options. First on the list of progestogen alternatives is basodoxifen. Basodoxifen is not a progestogen. Basodoxifen is a selective estrogen receptor modulator, or CIRM, S-C-R-M, that blocks estrogen receptors in the uterine lining and therefore does a great job of preventing any abnormal buildup. Basodoxifen protects the uterine lining as well as any progestogen, and as a bonus, also builds bone. And though it's not FDA approved to protect breast tissue, in laboratory testing, it blocks estrogen receptors in the breast. There's even ongoing research to see if it's useful for women who have early breast cancer. 
So basodoxifen is a really good option for a woman who wants to protect her uterus, protect her bones, and protect her breasts. Here's the glitch. You knew this was coming. Basodoxifen cannot be prescribed as a standalone drug. It only, only comes combined with oral conjugated equine estrogens, Premarin. The product name of the combination drug, estrogen and basodoxifen, is Duave. So to get the benefit of basodoxifen, you must also be willing to take an oral estrogen. For a lot of women, that's fine. For others, it's not ideal. Also, it only comes in one dose. And in the world of menopause hormone therapy, one dose doesn't fit all. Why is basodoxifen only sold combined with Premarin? It's because the company that patented basodoxifen is the same company that makes Premarin. It forces women who wants the benefits of basodoxifen to use a product that ordinarily would not be a first choice. The other problem with Duave is that it hasn't been available for a few years. In 2020, the FDA took Duave off the market because of an issue with packaging. The return to market has been slow maybe because Pfizer was a little busy using all their resources to develop and distribute the COVID vaccine. But good news, breaking news, and you heard it here first. As of June 5th, 2023, Duave is finally returning to the U.S. market and is FDA approved both for the treatment of moderate to severe vasomotor symptoms, hot flashes, and also for the prevention of postmenopausal osteoporosis. But in your case, you have a history of blood clots and therefore oral estrogen is not an option. And since I've gone through all the FDA approved options, you need to consider an off-label option. The number one off-label option to protect the lining of the uterus when taking estrogen is the placement of a levonorgestrel releasing intrauterine device, an IUD. Yes, an IUD. The trade names for the progestin-containing IUDs are Mirena and Loretta. Now, this is something I and other menopause experts have been recommending for years, but it was only when actress Angelina Jolie went public with her ovary removal and subsequent menopause journey and revealed an IUD to be her plan that it suddenly became far more mainstream. Yet another example of the power of celebrity over the power of expertise. But I digress. So for many women who don't tolerate or wish to avoid a progestin, a progestin releasing an IUD is the ideal alternative. Many studies demonstrate and many experts believe that an IUD provides better uterine protection than achieved using an oral progestogen and should always be the preferred approach. Though it's standard in Europe, it's not yet FDA approved in the US and is therefore an off-label practice. And for those not familiar with this particular IUD, Morena and Laletta are small T-shaped devices embedded with levonorgestrel, a progestogen that a healthcare clinician places in the uterine cavity. Levonorgestrel is slowly released and provides very high levels of intrauterine progestin that very effectively prevents abnormal buildup in the lining of the uterus. An IUD is a great option because there's very low systemic absorption and therefore the side effects seen with oral progestins are pretty rare. An IUD can be combined with either a standalone transdermal estrogen or an oral systemic estrogen. It's so convenient. Set it and forget it. Not only do you avoid any increased risk of breast cancer, but the levonorgestrel IUD has been shown to reduce the risk of uterine cancer as well as cervical and ovarian cancer. And bonus, an IUD provides reliable contraception for perimenopausal women who still need it. So what's the bad side? 
well, the IUD has got to be inserted. And although usually this involves minimal discomfort for some women, it's not so easy. A lot of women will experience some spotting or bleeding, particularly in the beginning. And although it's pretty rare, some women will experience side effects from initial systemic absorption, such as moodiness, fatigue, and bloating. These generally get better with time. The IUD also has to be replaced as long as estrogen therapy is continued. Now, most clinicians are replacing the IUD every eight years, but this is based on data that looked at contraception efficacy, not postmenopause uterine protection data. It likely will be protective in postmenopause women much longer, but we don't have the data to prove exactly how long. Another downside is that an IUD placed postmenopause is generally not covered by insurance. You also need to have a clinician who's willing to put in there for that purpose. Now, if you happen to have an IUD that was placed for contraception or to control heavy bleeding, and you're thinking about starting postmenopause estrogen, don't remove your IUD. I can't tell you how many women are diagnosed as being menopausal and a well-meaning doctor says, well, you don't need your IUD anymore because you can't get pregnant and tells you to take it out. Don't do it. Hang on to your IUD. Next question. I'm using a transdermal estrogen gel, which has really helped my hot flashes, but my doctor insists that I take an oral progesterone pill. The progesterone makes me bloated and moody. My question is, is it okay to use estrogen without taking the progesterone pill? Well, a lot of women ask this or just do it on their own. But giving estrogen without something to balance out to prevent an abnormal buildup in the lining of the uterus is known as taking unopposed estrogen. Although it can be done very short term, the increased risk of uterine cancer is significant enough that it should not be done for the long term. The exception may may be for the woman who's taking a very low dose of estrogen and is willing to periodically get ultrasounds to make sure there's no abnormal buildup. But that approach is not currently recommended. In the future, though, with more studies, it may be a reasonable option for women at low risk of uterine cancer. What about taking a progestogen less often? Some women are given the green light to take a progestin only for 14 days every three months. Again, it's protocol. It may not offer adequate uterine protection, and I don't recommend it. Question number seven. When I was going through fertility treatments, I was given a vaginal progesterone gel to prevent miscarriage. I asked my doctor if that was an option instead of taking my progesterone pill with my postmenopause estrogen therapy. She seemed really reluctant. So what do you think? The vaginal progestin gels used in the fertility world to stabilize the uterine lining during early pregnancy are sometimes prescribed off-label for postmenopause women who don't tolerate the oral progestins. But this approach has not adequately been tested in postmenopause women and goes under the category of who knows? You know, I, I know some doctors recommend it for women who don't tolerate standard progesterones, but it makes me nervous and it's not something I've ever prescribed. Question number eight. I get my estrogen cream from a compounding pharmacy along with a progesterone cream to treat hot flashes. When I went to see my gynecologist, she was really rude and basically said that what I was given was going to cause problems and maybe increase my chances of cancer. Okay, hoping I wasn't the gynecologist you went to see. Compounded transdermal progesterone creams or yam creams are worthless. Worthless. The details are covered in episode 35, Compounding Hormones, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And yes, there is an increased risk of developing uterine cancer from using compounded progesterone creams and gels. It's not absorbed through the skin, the molecule is too large, and it will not protect your uterine lining. 
That's the reason progesterone cream has never been FDA approved for this purpose. So stay tuned. This is an area of active research, and the expectation is that other products will be coming down the pike. If you made it to the end of this, you now know more than most doctors on the topic, and I have something planned for next week that will make up for this long, pretty boring biology lesson. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. Bye.